pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Giraffe Rugby Show. I'm your host, Kagi, and tonight we're going to discuss the final match of the 2020 Tri-Nations, the Wallabies and the Pumas 2. I am joined by my co-hosts, brothers Harry and Nelson. Gentlemen, how are you this evening, and uh, what did you make of the game? Very good, mate, and although we discussed it immediately pre-game, pre-pod, <laughs> we did not announce the pod caps. Ah. So last pod of the year, I thought it was good just to give them all an update, because I know that the fans are really hanging out for these. So That's myself, true. 91 pod caps. Oof. He's getting, he's getting his way up there. Triple Didge. Kagi 83 and Nelson still lagging. Hasn't been able to catch up on 79 as well. Are you saying he's not going to he's not going to cap that 80 mark this year? Perhaps. No, definitely not. We're not doing any more pods. <laughs> Spoilers. I'm sweet with with 79. Very exciting. Now, well, you were just saying it's pretty huge. We've done 44 episodes this year. Uh, I think Nelson's first remarks were that's too many. Um, that was mine too. Yeah. Yep. So, too many. <laughs> it's been good fun but look if you missed uh, speaking of episodes if you missed last week's episode uh, do yourself a favor and go check it out it was with the great man squidge rugby joining us for his second podcap uh on the show um get on YouTube, mate. i got the summary on how to beat fast line speed up just that clip on yep. youtube so i highly recommend that's it. If you, uh, if you are not already subscribed and watching us on YouTube, you can get us there as well. Harry breaks it down into the entree main course dessert and any other useful clips that he can. Um, our expectation is that uh, our video of Squidge discussing how to beat that fast line speed is going to hit about a million views within the next 24 hours, I think. That's true. And like Squidge... One late push. And like Squidge's uh, around 400,000 followers, uh, it's only be a couple of weeks until we're uh, just nipping at his heels, really, I think, um, and doing this as a full-time job. Um, no, Squid, look, Squidge, if you, if you don't know who Squidge is, get, uh, get after him on YouTube. His, his videos are incredible. His uh, analysis is always insightful. His banter is of the highest calibre. And, um, look, he puts, puts some of us to shame um, on this pod. Um, and he was, it was great to have another yarn with him. It was really good. So go check it out. Uh, it's available wherever you podcast or on YouTube uh, and make sure you um, subscribe and whatever. So very good. Um, now, look, tonight's show, moving on to tonight's episode. I, I won't say... Greg, like, just to interrupt, yeah. before Harry cut me off, I'm good also. All right? You asked me how I was going and right, Harry cut me off. Don't remember so. mate. Yeah, Nelson, you've, you've, you really set me up here, but no one cares. I'm going to be honest, mate. Um, it's... Uh, <laughs> You did ask. <laughs> Sorry, it was too easy. Um, but tonight's show, uh, we sh- I never should say this. Hopefully, this is going to be a quick one, but hopefully, this is going to be a quick one. Um, so, we'll see how we go against that. Um, and look, actually, one, one more remark then for you, Nelson, before we do get into it and I te- describe the menu, uh, the anthem. What did you guys make of the anthem? You were huge about the anthem and not only did you really enjoy it, Nelson, particularly, but you've gone and memorized all the words and can sing it for us now. Uh, if the words in front of me, I reckon I could probably give a crack. On <laughs> I got him. Times. Uh, and look, I, I absolutely loved it. I think there's still, you know, a lot of issues around it in the broader community to find out what works best. But the Wallabies not only did they they sing the first verse, 
um, in an indigenous language. They consulted people in a number of different groups to see the best way to do it. They made sure they learnt the words as well, which was, you know, the, the best part of it for me. And there was a big build up throughout the week where they had, uh, you know, a, a smoke ceremony and learn about indigenous food and local bush tucker and things. So it, it's all part of this, you know, immersing yourself in the culture, the culture that we see Rennie doing. And uh, I think it's a very big thing for sport in Australia. And I think it's a very big thing moving forward. It might not be the exact answer, but I mean, I, I love, and I'd love to see it be the, you know, the long-term anthem, but we'll see how we go. I, I'm with you. I didn't expect it, but I had goosebumps watching yeah. it and watching the wallabies know the lyrics yeah. as well. I, I, was shocked at just how much it meant and just how much I enjoyed it. Yep. Awesome. I agree. That was very powerful and um, I greatly enjoyed it. It's kind of, it's like the Kiwi anthem, you know, they start off in, in Maori and then sing the, uh, the verse in English. I thought it was great. It started in the eighties or the nineties or something as well, apparently. So, you know, it's got to start somewhere. Yep. Okay. And I think Nelson, has, I expected you to jump in with more excitement, but I guess what you're referencing as well is no, it's just, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of discussion about, uh, yeah. you know, is that the best, uh, the- or various languages and ways to integrate it. The biggest thing is, you know, there's over 250 languages uh, and they do actually discuss, you know, a lot of people with Indigenous heritage discuss, you know, speaking in someone else's native tongue on your land and there's there's disrespect behind that. So there's, there's still a long way to go, I think, before it's completely broadly accepted. I love it to bits. You know, it was my highlight for the weekend, probably my highlight for sporting moment of the year, to be fair. So I'd really love to see it move forward. And uh, I think there's just going to be a lot more discussions about it. And I think, I think, look, we all love the Indigenous jersey. I think we've called many times for that should just be the Wallabies jersey. You know, it's an awesome Please, jersey. Hello. I will say I prefer the, uh, I, I prefer not this one with the white sleeves. I prefer the old one with the steel green and gold more. Yeah. But either way, I love the Indigenous jersey. Make, I think it's make it, uh, something Rennie talked about as well, make it gold. Make there be a Wallabies gold colour. You don't change your yellow every year. It's a certain colour that's locked in and you build your Indigenous jersey around that. That can change every year. I'm happy for that to change. But I think we lock in a gold and I'd love to see it as our you know, Indigenous part of that, that jersey. And I don't know if you guys have been watching the Northern Hemisphere Test Rugby at the moment, but how freaking confusing is it seeing them play at the moment? They just <laughs> chop and change colours whenever they feel like. Like there's literally, they're just doing whatever they want. Yeah. I know. We, uh, I think... Wallaby's gold. I mean, you just have to look at like my rack of jerseys, and you just see a you know all the various colours of uh, of origin, gold and yellow, or whatever. But um, exactly. I agree. We we t- I talked a lot on the weekend about uh, jerseys in terms of the Super Rugby alternate jerseys. Remember last year and the year before, all the Here Kiwis had that same blue jersey as their alternate jersey. It's like, come on, just anyway. Let's move on. Great. Uh, I said it's going to be a quick one. It's not. So um, very good for <laughs> our menu for tonight. For Entree, we're going to review um, the Wallabies and the Pumas, wrap up any final thoughts on the um, 2020 Tri-Nations uh, in that. For main course, we're going to talk about, kind of look to the future. What are the holes that we can fix in um, the, three super, uh, the three test teams, the Pumas, the All Blacks and the Wallabies? And for dessert, we're going to briefly discuss what's uh, what's in store for draft rugby and super rugby 2021 or what to look forward to so exciting things but um with that how about we launch into the entree australia and argentina 16 all at full time reese hodge couldn't get it done third time was not lucky who wants to kick us off i'll kick us off there's no way we're putting that on Reese Hodge. I thought he kicked really, really well. Oh, great. 
And how many times are you going to make him kicks from outside 50, pouring rain? Ugh. There's no way. Like, I I was gutted seeing the second game that he couldn't kick a winning uh, win, winning shot, which is down. always a really hard, also a really, really hard kick. But mm. this one was the same. Like, incredibly difficult. And to think that we're putting that on Hodge, like, what a what an absolute <clears> joke. <throat> I thought the Wallabies <clears throat> had a lot of areas to improve and Hodge could help, hold his head up high for his kicking. I thought he was excellent. I, I think it was Gregan that actually said it on the um, broadcast. He said, your kickers do not lose you games. They win you yeah. games. And I... I I think that's a, a very good point. You know, that kick there, he could have won us the game, but it shouldn't have come down to that. We had enough opportunity and enough ball where it really should have been, you know, finished by that point. So good on him for having that crack. Good on him for being confident after having, you know, a few misses in similar positions. Um, but yeah, I think a bit hard for him. I, I was saying to some of my uh, non-rugby watching mates that I was watching the game with, and I was just saying a, a throwaway comment of um, whenever it's raining, it favours wh- whoever the Wallabies are playing. And uh, and he said, why? And I just went, I don't know. We're just shit in the rain. You said that, well, that we, when we beat them in Wellington, New Zealand in Wellington this year, that was in the pouring rain. I thought it massively favoured us. Was it Wellington? I'm not sure, but um, no, true. No, that's what I mean. I just like, I, I just made it as a throwaway remark. When, when we beat them, it was in the rain. Craig, I have my answer for that. All the way through juniors, seniors, everything, as soon as it rains, we close the council grounds and you do not play rugby. You <laughs> don't play rugby your entire life in wet weather and then you expect yourself to be better than teams that play in wet weather every other week. Yeah, that's, that's a good point actually to reflect on. I guess just us growing up playing footy, the amount of wet weather games slowly decreased over time, didn't they? Um, I used to love it, and then all of a sudden, it just didn't become a thing. You couldn't. Mate, me as well, like the great blue whale I am, I could die from about thirty meters out, and I'd get all the way in. You know what I mean? So it was, um, it was momentum. probably momentum. Exactly. But all right, um, injuries. There injuries in this one, Harry. The only thing I was going to say because there wasn't any clear injury, but Harry Wilson came off at half time. Yeah, something that's, wrong. With that's that. got to be an injury, right? Must, the, the, the guy plays eighty minutes every week, or he definitely should be. Um, that's for sure. Okay, so no other injuries to report. Nasserani's carrying an injury because he wasn't on the, the team <laughs> again. Mm. Must be. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Sanchez carried a groin injury, I think it was, coming in and then played big minutes again. It's true. He was also, apparently carrying an injury into the game. So He, also, mean, he, took, he took a blow to his um, acting career as well. Um, you know, just tried for the, the head bump, but, uh, you know, it was... No good. No you point. don't see that from any other country, do you, in rugby? When I say... I won't say country. I'll specifically say... You don't see that from any other country in rugby, do you? I've got to say, though, like, when we had a conversation about the merits of Sanchez as a player, <clears throat> the one thing we were incredibly critical of was that kind of behaviour. <clears throat> and I kind of enjoyed not seeing it from him for a few weeks, but it's never far away, is it? You can see this from a nation that loves their, their football. Because they constantly take dives and try and milk penalties, and when the rest of the team are so hard, how does such a such a yeah. opposite you, you exist have, in the team? You have some of the hardest men ever to walk on a rugby field, <laughs> and then you have a guy that tries <laughs> to manage. We should ask Crema when whenever Sanchez goes down. We should just ask Crema, "What do you think, Crema? Is it a penalty or not?" <laughs> I reckon Kramer makes a mental note and he goes, yeah, I'm going to smash him at training this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's so sore. He's carrying those niggas when we get hit by Kramer. <laughs> That's it. Um, all right, well, moving us along. Look, three draws in six games. Argentina, two draws from four. Uh, my first thought on that is that their bookies must have been having a field day, uh, oh, cleaning up. So, Nelson, what did you back on the, for the margin this week? <laughs> 
I'd definitely back the Wallabies. <laughs> Bye. Oh, I think I did 13 plus. You did, mate. Yeah, you definitely did. did. But yeah, I, could, I, I even I, I had a Kiwi there. Was... also went 13 plus. So it's another loss for him. Mark him down as one. Yeah. I um I also was at a Kiwi function. It was a crate day, the first Saturday of summer. And uh, 12 long necks deep by this point, probably. But um, what happened was I had a big Kiwi guy telling me that he would put all his money on Argentina, that Argentina would win. And I said, I bet you that Australia will win. I shouldn't have said that. I should have said, I bet you you're wrong. And I would have won a lot of money. So. <laughs> Very good, Nelson. Very good, mate. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, what do we think of that? Look, it's draws. I mean, do we think that there, should, there shouldn't be draws? We've talked a lot before about how draws are just oh, a massive buzzkill. You know I'm I'm fine with it being a draw because it deserved to be a draw. Yep. Same with the other the other couple of draws as well. I, I mean, teams got obviously had would be more or less disappointed depending on how they got there. But I'm I'm fine with the result in international rugby like that. What I think it really showed was that we have <clears> a couple of teams that have had significant changes or significant hardship to try and get to where they are. And these teams are really learning. And at the moment, their attack is way underdeveloped where it should be. If your teams can, can score tries, these draws aren't going to happen. But let's be honest, like there was almost no tries at all between Argentina and Australia in two games. Agreed. They have no mm. idea how to score points. So, of course, there's going to be draws. You're going in multiples of three. It's just whoever gets the most penalty kicks. I agree. The last thing you want to really see is, I mean, I, I love rugby and I love seeing more rugby. But you don't want to see another 20 minutes of people taking penalties from as far out as they can. Mm. That's not how you separate that game. No. So, yeah, I, I think in a, in a game like that, sure, penalties are fine. There's certain instances where you need a result, you know, finals, different things like that. You, you, you play out your extra time. It's not golden point. Um, but, yeah, I think realistically, I have nothing wrong with the draw. Talk to any football fan, you know, it happens all the time. You know, just just because we see league regularly and they they just you know golden points that doesn't work for me. Don't compare us to football. I was about to say, mate, don't you dare bring that up on the pod. Look, okay. but I mean, I, say, I, I would be happy to get rid of the draw. No one wants a draw. You know what I mean? Just what? Just have the boys play until someone wins. Okay, it's very <laughs> simple. Just be the better team. Whichever whichever teams fans have been more heartbroken with their performance should just get the win. The Wallabies would have had three extra wins this year. Just get your tight head props to do a sumo little bout in the middle of the field, and whoever wins that wins the game. Just have a run it straight at the end of the game. You know what I mean? Like oh, instead oh, of having oh, a yeah. shootout, run it straight. Best five on best five. Boom. There we oh, go. That's, that's, not bad. that's not bad. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, moving on. So a few draws. Um, I think I quickly saw, and I feel like this is wrong, but um, interesting to note, tries four from each of the three teams. Argentina, how many tries do you think for in the Tri Nations? Three. Yeah, probably. They well, they got one against us. They got one game where they didn't get any against New right. Zealand. If I give Nelson long enough, he might get. Now it was just two. It was the two tries. Okay, okay, two. Australia a massive one hundred percent extra on uh, on them doubling them with the big four tries. Well, and uh, and New Zealand, gotta be the top. we've got to be the top. And New Zealand, how many do you think they got? Three. This is weird. Eight. I think we're the top. Sixteen. So yeah, <laughs> four times us. So. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I meant eight against us in one game. Sorry. Yes. Uh, so anyway, that was interesting. I thought we'd scored more tries, but apparently not. So only the we four. We did not. <laughs> we, we did not. So anyway, there you go. But all right, the game this week. Um, we've got to talk about it. Huge disruptions for Argentina. We won't deep dive into why and thoughts on that, but um, certainly a whirlwind week for them. It was kind of a a lose-lose situation for the UAR. I mean, how do you really navigate that? Um, 
like didn't matter which direction they kind of turned. I bet they were just wishing they were like, come on, there was one more week left of the season, then we would have been off, like we've been fine, no one would have cared. Like I, I don't I don't want to say no one would have cared, but you know, like would have been out of season. So anyway, um certainly disruptions, they had to change up their players a few things, but I guess the most notable thing from that is they were missing their two best players, perhaps, and two of the best players in the world in Matera and Petty. Yeah, I mean, completely changes how they play in the locks because they lose their easily their strongest lineout caller and jumper, <clears throat> and then they they didn't seem to have anywhere near the impact in the ruck. So of course they were still physical and belted Australia around a bit, but uh, I don't know. I don't remember a turnover from their side actually. Even Montoya didn't didn't have a, a turnover. So. It just completely changed the entire game and how they had to play. And it meant they went from having, you know, two sources of turnover ball to try and score an unstructured try to literally just hoping to capitalise on an Aussie mistake, which, funny enough, is what they did. And our, our line-out, you know, consistency built in that match because we didn't have to, to deal with Petty, as you said. We yeah. won 19 of 20, 95%, which is definitely the best we, we've had. I think our average was we lost... It was some. It was six and a half or seven and a half a match, is what I read on Twitter, and I don't know how how that's true. But we did bomb a lot of lineouts. Now, even though I have said that we're trying to make this quick pod, um, I just thought this would be funny, so we're going to do it, uh, and we're not going to talk about specifically the tweets and things like that or tweets from a long time ago. But Harry and Nelson, I had a quick look back, uh, wound the clock back, and had a look at. What were your both of your first uh, or first couple of tweets that you tweeted on your accounts a long time ago? Um, just to see, you know, what, what kind of stuff are you guys thinking back in the day? Nelson's Why are looking very nervous. Showing his dessert or something. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it's coming up. It's very good. Nelson's tweet is exactly what you would have expected, everyone. It is Nelson's first tweet. As far as better I can tell, Hooper. he said he was better than Michael Hooper. I should this, this, this might just be uh, the furthest it let me scroll back because Nelson's made a hell of a lot of tweets. But it's in 2017. Um, and it said it was basically Nelson retweeting or quoting a tweet from Rugby Australia in which he would have tweeted that, and it was Nelson retweeting that saying, Wise words from a wise man. So <laughs> it, was uh, it, was, it was Nelson talking himself up here. Um, Actually, no, mind you, I, I, expected. Not, I was not the I did not have uh, Rugby Australia, so yeah. was, sure, was, mate. Um, Harry, how do you think you fared better than Nelson? Uh, I really hope so. Jesus, how can I be worse than that? Now, look, your first re- your first tweet was retweeting some injury nonsense. Then there was um, this one is more t- typical. I thought it was. Hold Gold- on, we're just doing oh. first tweets, mate. You're not just picking me apart. Gold Coast Sevens. Hey guys, fourteen mates and I have flown in from around Australia to come watch the Sevens. Any chance we could meet the Aussies? That was uh, you know trying for the plug, uh, but also. The, your next way was Cam Crawford needs a moustache, which I thought was great. But um, get me a like at Harrison Dale eighty eight. Very good. Um, I think Nelson appears to make a few more tweets than you do. Um, so uh, oh, yeah, but um, and look, I will. I'll throw my my first tweet was just literally retweeting a Wallabies lineup in twenty thirteen. Uh, it said announcement: Jesse Mogg, Ben Tapawai, and George Smith will be joining Wallaby camp in Melbourne tonight. So there you go. Your, your first personal post was, I can't wait to see this robot versus human ping pong match. <laughs> yeah, not, I think that's from a, um, like a, a feedly. Yeah, let's move on, man. I don't know how we got to this in the middle of a game review. Quick pod, quick pod. All right, game review, oh, moving okay. on. Um, I'm going to take us back. I'm going to take us forwards <laughs> here, right? So set piece, we're talking about the line out. So how about the scrum? The thing that I was pulling my hair about, mm. Angus Gardner, I 
I know you can see us. I'm losing it. Um, Angus Gardner, I generally mm. like as a good communicating referee, but he seems to be going far too far down that line now. He stopped almost every bloody scrum to talk to both front rows and give them advice without stopping the clock. And then on a number of occasions, the Wallabies had the ball. I don't think it happened to the Argies, but Wallabies ball at the back of the scrum and then the scrum stood up. The ball's available and yet he calls them to reset the scrum. Like we're wasting a minute or two of play. What the hell is he doing? Just let the ball go and let the game continue. It was driving me freaking mad. Yeah. No, I, I agree. We've talked a lot about this again, about how do you how do you deal with the scrums? Player safety is imminent and that is one of the scenarios where it's very easy for everything to go wrong. But I don't know like what the answer is. I think, you know, do you if the scrum if the scrum restarts twice immediately it's a free it's a short arm. But it's not even that. It's not even that, mate. Just if you're gonna talk to the players, stop right. the clock. And yep. if the ball's at the back, let them play the ball. Like yeah, no, that, it, for, it would have fixed all those problems in that game. Sorry, I think I sidetracked there. Yeah, I, no, I completely agree. If the ball's at the back, just get it out. You should be saying, get it out. It's like the same at a ruck, let's move on, you know. Um but anyway. The other thing is scrum, like how much better than them were we? <laughs> I love our front, our props at the moment. They're just so, so buddy. Again, I don't think we got the pay that we deserved. You know, I think they got away with um, uh, not getting all the penalties. Yeah, look, we, we froth on our front row. I froth on our front rowers every week. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, but we'll talk, we'll talk about Tupo and uh, Bell coming on uh, when we get to the, the good players a little bit later on. But um, yeah, uh, Angus Garner as a whole. Nelson, how do you think he went? Oh look, I, I got a few a few frustrated moments throughout the game. Like I, I think he he refed things consistently with some of those yellow cards, but he is a man that you know he likes more cheese than me, and I'm dairy free, and I just gobble down lactose free tablets, mate. I I love that stuff, and he was just throwing those cheeses out left, right, and center. He uh, I, I one thing for me, the biggest one is if you're clearing out a ruck and someone's going for a pilfer and their head is low, it is very hard to clear that guy out. They're in a strong, sturdy position. They elect to have their head that low. It is a very difficult one to just penalise anyone that touches a head. I've been reflecting on this because I completely agree. You're, you're presented with a very small picture of which you can hit. Um, you can hit a knee and that's going to be, you know, you're going to just dislocate sure. a knee. I think, you know, the, the, the intent of the laws in this regard are so that basically you're rewarded with uh, speed. Oh, I've lost you guys a bit. Are you guys still there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. You frozen on me? Don't me or you? But um, I'm going to keep talking regardless. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to take yeah, it. You're too slow. So I thought really, really interesting on this exact point was Brendan Shields at Rugby College, who's a, an analyst who writes lots and lots of good stuff online on Twitter, especially. He said, "Grab the guy." This game. No, we're back. Before this game, this is the law that have actually enforced will change the entire game. Truth is, I see very few rucks where anyone's head is above their hips. Jacklers with asses in the air, cleaners diving over with heads in free dive, and that free kick solves everything. There's a law that says, quote, players involved in all stages of the ruck must have their heads and shoulders no lower than their hips. Otherwise, there should be a free kick. So both of these incidents, the jackler is way too low, not supporting his own weight. If we just actually enforce the laws, the zone you can hit all of a sudden opens up. Those two yellow cards aren't going to happen. I, there's a couple of quotes from the commentators, ex-Wallabies. Phil Kafer, who... Phil Kafer. Kafer? Yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> Kafer says... As He's forgotten them already. Fox is done. Don't even remember who they are. Yeah. 
Cave, Cave sorry, uh, says as at the Hooper clean out, he said contact like that happens to the head every second clean out, in which Phil Kearns replies, it's just rubbish. Both of those yellow cards are ridiculous. Like these are ex-Wallabies. Both of them know the game. I know that they can be polarizing at times, especially Kearnsy. But like this is ex-Wallabies saying how stupid this has been applied. Just make the actual player support their their own weight, and then all of a sudden you actually have something to hear. Yeah, the, the difficulty is uh, I I appreciate that point. I think that you know that could definitely be placed better. But you know if your ass is high or your ass is low, your head is still in the same position. Your head is still in the same position because it is low going for the ball because your arms the same length no matter how high your ass is in the air. So you could be squat down low and your whole body be low, bring your bum down, your head's still going to be in the same position where you're going to get whacked. So I, I think that that doesn't necessarily solve it. I do think it comes into how you police it. Maybe it is you can't lead with your shoulder into that breakdown. But I, I don't know. I don't really don't know what that answer is. Here's my take on it. Look, I, I obviously don't like it because that was my favourite thing to do was to charge in and absolutely blitz someone. But How late did you get in that ruck, though? Sorry? You, you're getting into those rucks very oh, this is every fourth or fifth ruck that I you yeah. know, made it to. You know what I mean? Like, let's be honest here. Um, but uh, I think... The, the way I look at this is, tr- I was explaining this again to someone who doesn't watch rugby um, on the weekend. They've, made a, they've got to draw the line in the sand somewhere in terms of player safety, and that's contact with the head and the shoulder region. Sure. So they've done that. And now the way that they're trying to enforce that is that if, you, if someone gets over the ball, it's about rewarding speed. So if the, cl- the clean out, you have to literally be right behind your man so that if there is a player gets over the ball and in that position... You can't actually come charging in and hit them. You have to get there, stop, then grab the guy and roll out the side. And so it's it's literally it's about it's about how the spe- the clean out has to be much much faster. Otherwise, you, if you don't get there in time, then yeah. it's a penalty to the other team. Well, realistically, there as you're saying, like you're you have to come through the gate, right? So if the head is the only thing that's presented there, what yeah. else can you do other you than have to stop? stop? You have to you have, you have to, to get there, spin them out. So exactly. in which yeah. case they're pinging you anyway. They're pinging you. No, you, you can. Yeah, as soon no, as no. It's on the ball, no, you grab their chest and you. Run. No, no, yeah. If if you if you get there, stop, okay. lean over, wrap your hands around them, and then fall to the side is what you're meant to do. And you just can't do it quick enough. But the problem is you can't do it quick oh, enough. Yeah. Absolutely. As soon as there's players' hands on the ball, they're pinging them. Yeah, no, that's the problem. Is that you can't do it quick enough. Absolutely. So there, therein lies the conundrum, the rump. So um, I don't know how you fix it. Um, but people rock people. Yeah, I don't and know. And then it polices itself. Well, I'm not, I'm not playing anymore, so I'm off for that. No, look, I mean, I, I, I played a lot of footy. I've never seen anyone get a serious injury through a ruck. People get hit to the head all the time. You will not be in the wrong position if you know you could get stomped on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Seriously, like, I'll stomp on you. Move. <laughs> but I don't need to hit you in the head. So um, what, what do you think about the discipline, guys, if we get back on topic again? Because we're, we're pretty loose, fast and loose. Loose-lipped, yeah, yeah, fast and loose. Um, I, I thought personally both teams' discipline was pretty shite, mm. especially as the game went on the frustration built. How do you guys see it? Yeah, look, I, I think Rennie's brought it up himself on a few, a few of his chats You know, after the match. Our, our discipline's been a real big letdown. We just we gift Argentina or whoever we're versing you know, throughout the year uh, we, we gift them field position. We gift them, you know, just opportunities when, when they don't necessarily, you know, deserve it off our own back and little things we've done off our own back. Argentina, you know, they put a lot of pressure on us at breakdown certain situations. So maybe a bit harsh to say they don't deserve, but, you know, us making silly decisions. 
Yeah, I agree. I think you, you nailed it on the head. It was just, um, it was a frustrating game, wasn't it? You know, like no one could seem to hold onto the ball, really generate much flow and momentum. And um, it just bred frustration further and further. And, you know, how do you, how do you try to make something happen um, when nothing seems to be going right? The easiest way to do that is without the ball. That's <laughs> to just hit someone or leave that second earlier or whatever. And so they just all started pushing the lines um, further and further. And, you know, it wasn't, it made it not a great game to watch, to be honest. Um, but <clears throat> that's, that's the reality of it. Uh, the yep. bloody rainstorm came out of nowhere. But anyway, what can you do? Um, it is. Moving on, uh, what should we talk about? Hoops? Um, decision-making. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you guys can disagree or agree with me. I, I'm fine to hear it out. But I think it, it is crazy in wet weather footy when we have numerous attempts that we could take to, to get points on the board that we don't take them and we keep ending up in the same position where we have to kick it 50 metres out in wet weather to, to win the game. We, I, think we, I think I read on Twitter there were three opportunities within the first, you know, it was like seven, eight minutes that mm. there were very easily kickable points. We should have learned our lesson. For me, it's not just on Hooper. Maybe it's a discussion that happens, you know, before the match. You know, it might be Rennie saying, look, we really want to go for tries. It might be anything else. But to be fair, I, I think he needs to know you have to take those points on offer because it's happening again and again for us. I agree. Look, I think um, I'm a, I will acknowledge that I'm a massive hypocrite. Watching the game, I was like, yeah, great decision. I like it. Let's go for the line. Let's put them away. But at the same time, last week when I was watching the All Blacks and from the, whatever it was, the fourth minute, they took a penalty kick. I was saying, yep, that's the right decision. You know what I mean? If you haven't, you haven't been in this team, let's, start, let's just start, build up the points, build the scoreboard pressure. They learned it was moronic. Yep. Like, honestly, how freaking dumb can you be when you're playing an Argentinian team that is so strong in defence, so organised, they're motivated in their last game. They've already shown in the first 10 minutes that they're not just going to wilt. And yet we go one, two, three penalties, I think it was in a row, going for the line and then losing the ball. Like, we do not know how to score points at the moment. We need to bank the points we can get. If we can get up by nine points or 12 points in the first 20 minutes kicking these goals, then all of a sudden Argentina are under pressure and they have to actually try and play the game. And when they have to actually try and attack, all of a sudden their defence can't be as organised because they're more open to counter-attacking ball. Argentina are a team that will push the pass and push opportunities when when they are trailing. So you've got to get those points on board early and make them trail, put the pressure on it's them. It's exactly what happened with Will Jordan's double last week. Yep, 100%. It, it was definitely a case of, I feel like, um, the bit of the white line fever there. It, was, it, was, it felt like they were, like you said, there was so much pressure, so much possession, so many runs in those first 10 minutes that they felt like it was just the next play was surely going to result in a try. And I understand that that still, at the end of the day, now looking back at it, was the wrong thing to do. But me watching the game at the same time, that's how I felt. I was like, it is the next one we're going over. The next one. I completely completely disagree. I never, ever had faith that the Wallabies were going over because I've seen us turn over the ball at every opportunity for six weeks. To me, it was the Michael Checker error, just absolutely screaming through Michael Hooper. And that is, Hooper has this freaking backup like ego where he says, I back my boys, I'm going to back us in to score the try. (laughs) Even though he has no information to go off that says that that's a good decision. And as, as soon as he went for touch, and he missed, 
he put himself in a position where he didn't want to stop backing his boys because he didn't want to hurt their confidence. And he just dug his hole and dug his hole and dug his hole. And it's, it's like I said, it's moronic. I think he's awful at making those decisions. Absolutely. I agree. And I'll say, look, whilst I acknowledge that I was a hypocrite at the time, I felt that reflecting on it afterwards, I thought that we should have taken the points all the time. But for me, the thing that was particularly dumb was I think as soon as they were the the Pumas were awarded a yellow card, we then took a penalty goal like, from ten meters out. It was like no, no. If anything, now is the time to bloody proper scrum and go over. You know what I mean? I was just like, I don't get that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. as if you look at rugby ecology, our, our issue is even when we're winning lineouts, we can't convert that into anything. So if, if we keep on relying on that and think that that's going to get us our lead early, it's just not going to happen at the moment. You've got to go for the win first and then sure you can work from, from there and we can look to our, our tries. But yeah, I think we, we move on. We're all quite frustrated. And for me, it signals what I believe is the end of Hooper's captaincy. Oof! this is uh, coming from a guy who still today thinks that he is better than Wallaby's captain, Michael Hooper. And what could have been... Mate. Um, and Nelson will be the new captain. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, let him finish. My bad. Um, no, I agree. We, we will move on. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in our, um, our talking about what, what's in the future for Australia, the Pumas and the All Blacks in the deserto. But um, look, talking about holding the Wallabies out, that defence, that Pumas defence was awesome. Um, for me, uh, Fakundo Issa, fantastic. Look, I think one of you's thrown a point in here about Phil Kearns. Um, you know, everyone talks about him being biased and ridiculous sometimes. He's he's actually biased, not even just to the Wallabies all the time. He's just biased to blokes getting belted, basically. So uh, I think it was forwards, mate. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't rate it back. All about the forwards, which is fair was, enough. Yeah, it was it was Issa and Alamano both joined together to absolutely annihilate Reese Hodge in a massive hit, and Kearns lost his marbles, having a good laugh and loved that. So. Um, Look, so did I, I'll be honest. Uh, it was yeah, fantastic. Hit. So. so did I. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the tackles, look, um, how did we do? The Wallabies made 32 from 45, which is no, 71 for me. So little. That's 80 minutes. They only attempted 45 tackles and completed 71%. Matt Hooper normally gets yeah. more than half of that in a game. <laughs> That's true. Kremer probably made 45 this game. I was going to say, in, in all seriousness, Kremer made 28 tackles a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he, he the did. He's made 32 in this game. Yeah, that's a shocking percentage as well. There's 71%. That oh. is horrible. When you don't have to tackle much, just yeah. tackle right. Like, you just no. got to get a couple right. That's it. That's probably close to, the, to Nelson's percentage in the last game I saw him play the season this year. Um, around. I've been bumped once all season. Right? <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> I just happened to be there for it. It was great, everyone. It was, um, it was very good. I liked but, it. But no, um, the, the Pumas, however, 118 tackles from 133 at 89%. Now, that's test-level defence. That's even low for them, you know what I mean? But um, huge, enormous. Yeah, I mean, it shows the difference between how the two teams are playing. And, and again, Australia absolutely at the start of their cycle trying to learn how they want to play. And, you know, we, we've had the talk on here about cohesion and how strongly it links to defence. And you could definitely see the difference in the two teams there. I, I think I'll, uh, I'm going to move on to some of the players. I'm actually going to start with the bad players before the good players, before we move on. For me, this is two things, especially one that I, I think I touched on a week or two ago. Jordan Patea, for, for me, he had six touches in that first half, turned over the ball all six times. He is, he is too immature at the moment. 
He's too self-centered in his play at the moment. He is an absolute freakish footballer. But if you're dropping people like Nasserani to get things right and to prove himself to come back in, how, how does this repetitive things from, you know, Jordan Bataille making the wrong decision, how does this not get, you know, a similar sort of punishment? You're trying to create that culture. I, I think he's a brilliant footballer. At the moment, I think he is a winger. I have seen nothing that make me think he's an international outside centre. He is a brilliant footballer. And he could well become an amazing Wallabies outside centre. But he is not there at the moment. And I think it stifles our attack. I think it is a big negative in a lot of opportunities when we could be scoring. We're struggling to convert opportunity into tries. And then we have a guy dropping the ball, flinging the ball stupidly, doing dumb kicks at our outside centre when we have lethal outside backs. I think that's a big issue for us at the moment. Now... I am going to disagree. Uh, you can. You'll be wrong. Which I thought I would definitely get uh, some reactions from you too. But look, I, I did certainly... I put my foot foot in it at the start of the game. The first time he uh, he, he turned it over, uh, I had Blake, yeah. and Na- Blake, the weatherman, and Nabung, the super sub, watching uh, alongside me. And they both were going off about uh, e- echoing your same um, sentiments. And I uh, said, no, look, I don't care. He's 20 years old. He is the player with the most potential that we have in the Wallabies. He just needs time in the saddle. And I Correct. think that it's only a few mm. years. We Correct. will be talking about him like Israel Folau. That's what I, I said. And then he proceeded to go on and, and turn it over another mm. five or six times to which Nabung and Blake uh, yeah, were very Correct. nice to remind me uh, every time that happened. I just want you to know the Wallabies are not a development side. He can develop elsewhere or off the bench or on the wing where he doesn't need to think about as much. But we do not need him developing at outside centre and bombing every opportunity we have to score points. Mate, you just got to look at his first game against England. <clears throat> the guy is world class. No one's arguing no. that. I'm in the saddle. He's attacked. He's attacked. He's not world class. He's, he's talented. Six balls he's... in the first That's... half. That's world class. No one else can do that. <laughs> Hey, he's not world class. I don't really want to go down defending him, but yeah. some of those turnovers were all like terrible passes in, no, in absolute wet weather. Craig, but I, think, I think we move on. I, I can't. I can't bring myself to bench you. Put it that way. I understand everything. Delusional. Delusional. I understand what you're saying, but I can't. Obviously, I've said every single game in this tournament that I think he has way too many errors, and I don't like how he's playing. Even when everybody else was saying, "Oh, he's our best back," Ooh. I was agreeing. Bull, yeah, give it idea. two or three years, maybe he's our best back. He is still Right 20. now, mate, he doesn't deserve to be on the field. Paisami, who is the same age and has had far 22. less professional rugby than him. Is he? I thought he was 20. I think so too. Uh, anyway, looks like the same age. <laughs> far, far better international player. Yeah, I look, for me, I think he has to earn it and he, he hasn't. Potential does not earn you that cap. I, I won't deny that. Paisami has played better over the Tri-Nations than Bataya. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's, it's just decision-making. That's all he's got to learn. Uh, at the moment, he's made some incredibly poor decisions. You'd think uh, you'd learn after you bomb it repetitively through every game. But no, very good. Um, you mentioned Jordi Bataille, Lucan Salakai-Lotto. Did you bring him up or not? No, I had brought Lucan Salakai-Lotto up. Mm. Obviously, he got his red card after only nine minutes. <laughs> We've already discussed this repetitively on previous weeks. Do not shoulder someone to the head when you're trying to make a tackle. It is dumb. Bend over a little bit at your waist, mate, and hit someone lower. Mate, the tall building. That's uh, I, I his, don't care. His nickname. You're playing rugby. No, that's, I couldn't agree with you more. He needs to get lower because if he got lower, 
his yeah. tackle would be even more effective. He would smash the guy way more. I think all I've learned is that um, despite Rob Simmons' phenomenal kick from the turnover, <laughs> <laughs> Luke Unsarkai Lodo needed to start the game so he wasn't so incredibly jacked up that he took someone's head off immediately. <laughs> The only thing, and this is getting more airtime. The only thing, and this is getting more airtime than I wanted to. I will say about that Rob Simmons kick is that I was perhaps happy for the first time about something to do with Rob Simmons. In that it looked like it was the first time he'd ever kicked the ball, and I was happy and grateful for that that he hasn't been practicing. But also something that he's been doing. It was better than most things that he does because he didn't drop the ball by accident. Oh, nor did he do anything. No, uh, in that play, in that phase, right? He didn't drop it by accident. He dropped it on purpose under oh, his foot. Do yeah. that more. It's better than just dropping it. Fuck, he drops it every <laughs> fucking time. He's, time. He's well, if he's oh. on attack. Oh, the buzz of Rob Simmons and knock on. Who it was kind of like, your breath like the, the end of the game as well. You, you were, oh, actually, him, I think he came off, but you were looking you were looking for which player's going to drop it next. You know what I mean? You're like, it was just going across the field. You're like, who's going to be the guy to drop it? And then Rob Simmons pops up and you're like, there he is. You know, it's just. <laughs> so guys, on the flip side, mm. Ron Dona, the, uh, the open side mm. flanker that came on uh, for Pablo Matera, obviously mm. big, big, big boots to fill. But man, could that guy have been any more the polar opposite? He looked like <laughs> the lost child. Like so they've, they've, you know, the the guy that um, Pablo Matera gave his jersey to last week. That kid, <laughs> yeah. he played in the jersey this week. He dead set did the same okay, amount. Hang on, hang on. He almost got as many tackles as the Wallabies. All right, he got thirteen <laughs> tackles. Mate, I, did, I did not see one of them. The bloke was like, as someone was going down, like hand on the side of him. As he <laughs> the mate, these, these aren't league tackles. You actually have to make a tackle. No. They've got huge, huge no props way, on, on him as a uh, as a young developing player. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't see much from him. Um, I did. I do like. I don't know if we mentioned it last week, but I do like the Argentine tradition of uh, when you get your first cap, you got to shave your head. I thought that's pretty cool. So. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, so there's two players. There's Paulos and Grodonna. As soon as you get your first cap, that you, they shave your head. They shear you off, mate. I thought that's great. Mate, um, you'd be blowing up if you didn't get in the field. Mate, you'd be blowing up if, <laughs> if you were thinning and you was never going to grow back, mate. That was me imagine, If I debuted then, I would have yeah. been bald for seven years. <laughs> imagine, imagine trying that on some of the pretty boy wallabies. You know what I mean? You see James O'Connor in his first game at 17. Like, mate, we're shaving your head. He'd just like, run for the hills, you know? Um, but, uh, anyway. Not bad, um, actually. I quite like it. What about, what about the broomstick with a wig? The broomstick with a wig. We'll thank uh, Squidge once again for that. Um, look, I mean, he didn't do anything again. Yep. Um, hey, this, this is amazing stuff. stats. 80, 80 minutes. Put that into perspective. This guy is world class. How many minutes per tackle? <laughs> I, I can tell you that. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't make Mathematics. 40, 40 minutes per tackle. Wow, <laughs> he made two tackles. He, he also missed a tackle. That's pretty impressive. So our number six enforcer, these are his stats. He made two of three tackles. Yep. Hmm. He also, he made four runs, four carries for a total of, guess how many metres? Four? One. One (laughs) Nice. Generous man, you. That's four times (laughs) what he got. That is scary. Harry, question for you. Uh, Don't want to make his head any bigger, but um, if you could choose to start broomstick with a wig or... A Nelson Dale, who would you start for the Wallabies? At lock or flanker? <laughs> Can we just uh, play with 14? At <laughs> yeah. flanker. Um, I'd be pretty close to starting. I reckon I could give what he did on that weekend a fair crack, except for line outs. Absolutely. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I think you'd make more tackles. So there we go. Um, well, that's more, more, more airtime than uh, Ted Flanagan has uh, ever deserved. So we'll move on. Those are the bad players. The uh, pa- We'll talk about Paolos as well. Um, Lucas Paolos, the lock stepping in for Petty. Um, he has he just looks kind of like a lumbering slow lock in both games he's played he's last week and this week. He came. say <laughs> he, he does. Suck, like. He came on. They won a line out. He accidentally ended up with the ball and then somehow <laughs> got a little like mini line break. Isolated turnover penalty immediately. I was like, yeah, good one, Lucas Palos. Thanks for coming on. Nick White pilfering and yeah. then we kick the penalty down to the touchline and yeah. then he infringes in the red zone and gets yellow carded and sent <laughs> off. I'm like, mate, you are the worst player. <laughs> Who, who looked more surprised when they were in open space, him or Ted Flanagan a few weeks ago? You know what I mean? Uh, that's the real question. Uh, definitely Ted Flanagan, mate. Let's I agree. That's true. All right, good players. Talking good players, I've already mentioned, uh, and we would talk about him. Bell and Tupo came off the bench. God, they're good. Um, you know, we were. I'm cutting. I'm I'm cutting Nelson off here with the dessert again in the future. Nelson talked about uh, Michael Hooper. Not who who should be the next Wallabies captain. I just said let's just make it Angus Bell now. You know what I mean? Let's just get it done. He's 20 now. Just shove him in there. Um, no, anyway, they were fantastic when they came on. Um, I remember. Just, I remember listening to one of the or reading one of the reviews after the game, and they said the most impressive thing about Bell was we already know he can run out in the open. We already know he can scrum outrageously well for a. 20 21 year old mm. the big thing was he was making meters in tight over the giant argentine forwards like he should not have the ability to do that at his mm. age he is mr incredible he is so strong and we were saying he has that um that je ne sais quoi that quality that you see in some players like sean mcmahon or um Artie sevilla these players that just they get into contact and then they just keep going and you don't know how or why they don't get pulled down, but they just make like an extra five, at least five metres post-contact uh, post every carry. And it's immense. So I don't know what, they, what, what they've been feeding him since as a child, but um, it's children. worked. Other yeah. children, definitely. That's hey, it. You know, you, know, you, know when, you know when they have the Wheat Bix ads? Like, how many Wheat Bix do you do? When they ask him, it's how many boxes of Wheat Bix do you do? You know what I mean? It's like, that's what the, uh, it's how that ad goes. But um, no, very good. Good players. Crema, creme de la creme. I, I thought he was going to be wasted at lock. I'll be honest. I was. I thought it was a moronic decision, almost as bad as Hooper's decisions, uh, to put him at lock. I, obviously, they needed someone to go there in their backup lock. Lucas Palas. We already talked about how crap he was. But Marcos Clema still made fifteen tackles with only a single miss and got four t- turnovers as well. The man's an absolute beast. Yeah, he got yellow carded, but he was still one of the best players on the field. He is just unbelievable. And, he, what a work rate. For a guy playing at lock where he's having to have so much involvement in the set piece, defend in tight as well, man, he is an absolute weapon. And he's only 195 centimetres. And he, he's handled himself very well in, in the lock there. I mean, he, I, only, I wouldn't pick him yeah. at lock. He's not a lock. He's not a lock. Right. I told you, he's the world's best bodied blindside flanker. He's not a lock. But, geez, he's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> he is an absolute weapon. But I look, would rather him getting a 10-minute yellow card than having Ned Hannigan all game. If I could choose the the number six, if I could have, you say Kremer, one guy for seventy Kremer minutes. for seventy minutes versus Ted Hannigan. Mate, of course, he'd prefer that. <laughs> that's, that's a given. I prefer that's... him for forty minutes. I, I, I was going to say I'd prefer him for the ten minutes. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like just... That shouldn't be a given. That should not be a given. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> All right. Well, on that bombshell, that will uh, conclude our very tasty and brief uh, entree. Hold on, quickly, quickly. How's this for a stat? After okay. thirty, after after fourteen minutes. 
Mm. Wolbies had 38 runs. Argentines, donuts. <laughs> a single run, 38 to nil. So, how many, so that translated in how many tries for Wallabies? <laughs> oh, uh, no, nil, sorry, zero right. tries each, yeah. Zero. Uh, yes, right. Okay, very good. Um, that is a scary stat, isn't it? That's, uh, that's certainly how you want to start a game, but um, converting that into points is kind of a must. I think that's a theme we've talked about early, uh, sorry, many times about Wallabies having a good start and not converting. So that's one for Rennie to uh, add to the pocketbook. All right, well, let's move on to our main course. Uh, We're going to take a quick look at the teams in the Tri-Nations looking forward. So I guess what are the weaknesses or what are the main issues that have, um, I guess, arisen from each of the teams throughout this Tri-Nations and how do, uh, what what do we think the solutions are? So we'll start with the Wallabies. Um, I guess... Who look? We won't say who do we see filling some of these positions for the twenty twenty three World Cup. Let's just you pick a position each. I'll, I'll go. I'll start off. Back row number six. Ted Flanagan, see a champ. Um, who are we going to replace for number six? Look, I mean, at the moment, I like Lockie Swinton, but I think it's it's for me. It's got to be Harry Wilson Nazarani is my immediate combo. That's just you can't really beat that. Look, I know Liam Wright is kind of can play that six seven mold, but. No, for me, Nazarani and Harry Wilson is is what you want. I, I still think that uh, Jack Dempsey has been really, really unlucky not to be given that chance. And if he can get some consistent game time, he's got that mix of physicality, ability to run and presence over the ball that I think he could be a really good option at blindside <clears throat> blanker. And he's signed, signed. I think it's a one-year extension with the Tars. So he's clearly decided, I'm going to give it one more year or a crack to see if I am if I nail down this Wallabies jersey or not before I head over to, for a payday somewhere. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with Harry. I, I, for me, I think Jack Dempsey's our our best six to f- to fill that role. I don't think that's I what still, he said. I think, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Harry Wilson is in Asarani is the obvious no, six-eight choice. Yeah, yes. I, I think they're your, your two physical, you know, probably the best two players. Whether mm-hmm. your, your best combo as, as six-eight, yet to be seen. You know, uh, we, we've talked about in the past, we, we never seem to get that back row combination right, trying to play two open side flankers. To me, that feels like playing to two number eights. Certain matches, maybe that's the way to go. Uh, I'm not too sure, but I do think you need to get that dynamics right. And with Hooper as our seven, I think you need to have a slightly different dynamic than just that. You know, I think it just can't be two guys that are going to run hard and tackle hard. The crossover in skills at six and eight are a lot closer than seven and six, though. Absolutely. Big men, physical, need a presence to be able to run a little bit looser, maybe a bit more so for the eight, and maybe a little bit more physicality in type for the six. But otherwise, I feel like both need an ability to jump, both need to be a little bit taller, both need to be able to physically impose themselves in the game. There's there's a lot of crossover. I think it's that that role that we keep coming back to. You know, we always talk about we haven't had anyone since Scott Fardy, and it's... It's it's still it's an enforcer role, but it's just it's not in making the carries, not necessarily in making those monster hits. It's it's the enforcer role, the unseen enforcer. It's the breakdown, the the dark arts of the the ruck and the mall um, that we need. And and that's Harry Wilson and Izzy Nazarani. They're not really that. They don't play that role. They're both number eights, as Nelson said. Uh, have slightly different skill sets, but they're both number eights. We kind of need. Like, Lockie Swinton is out and out that role. The yeah. only problem with him is, look, look, we just said, would you prefer to have Kramer for 10 minutes or Ned Hannigan for 80? Would you prefer to have Swinton for 10 or Ned Hannigan for 80? You know what I mean? it's, it's, not, it's, it's not exactly what we said. It's, it's, it's like, similar. 
Okay. I'd, I'd still take it. <laughs> I, I, look, as, I, I think to round that out, mm. for me, I think our best option as a six, mm. Dempsey. A guy to fill a certain role you need in certain matches, you need that physicality, is Swinton. Mm. And, I mean, sure, there's this chat about you, you could do the Nasarani combo with Wilson, but I don't think that's the back row we want I, long term. I like what you're saying, and I reckon Swinton's the guy you roll out in the first uh, test, the first Bledisloe every year. You roll a Swinton straight out there. Go in and kill someone, and then, uh, and then you move into Jack Dempsey. That's, I you like say it. to Swinton, you can hit Mwanga late as long as it's early <laughs> in the game. Just yeah. make sure he knows you're there and... The rest is okay. Well, I was going to say, you can get red carded, but he has to be going to hospital. I mean, like, it's, but, you know, maybe <laughs> it's too far. I don't know. Um, but all right, that's, that's, uh, that's the back row. We've talked about it many times. Uh, who wants to jump out with another one of the Wallabies questions for the future? For, for me, the, I mean, we already touched on one, so I'll, I'll skip over that one. I think fullback, oh. uh, Patea. We were talking about Patea already. I, I think yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll chat at Patea. I'll ch- chat about fullback. Um, Tom Banks, for me, has shown a lot of skill in attack at super rugby level and it hasn't converted over to international footy for me. I don't think it's just on him. I think it's how our back line have, have failed to, to give him the opportunities in the space, stifling, you know, that play a little bit early on, lots of the time, probably from Pattaya. Um, but, you know, we're not really getting him in those opportunities and he is not finding his way into the game otherwise. He's solid under the high ball. He's become a great, you know, specialist kicker for the corner. Um, I think he's a very good player. But in this current dynamic of the team, I, for me, he hasn't really locked his spot down. Obviously, Dane Haley-Petty is getting on in years, few injuries of, of late. Uh, I don't think he had, you know, he didn't really thrust himself back into that position. We've got uh, Jock Campbell as a potential. We've got um, who Jack, Maddox. Jack Maddox as a, as a potential. Um, for me, there's a big question mark over that fullback jersey. And any of those guys, except for maybe Dan Petty, I, I think can lock themselves down in that spot. You know, I, I could really see Jock Campbell doing well. I think it's probably too early for him. But, I mean, the other guys aren't stamping their name on that spot. Jack Maddox, I think, is quite a, an intelligent footballer. And I'd love to see him have a crack there. I think he's good on attack. Um, I, I think he's got an all right kick on him, not the same as Banks. But, you know, maybe it's, maybe we should have seen him get a crack. I think that's a great point about Dan Helpett. He's certainly getting on. He's not going to be around for the next World Cup. But I, he's another, another guy I guess I've forgotten about, just another huge loss of leadership you know what i mean like yep. obviously with jock jock and tamua but also having dhp out there just to to you know cool some heads um that's huge but what about what about reese hodge at playing 15 it is i know we've discussed where does he fit in i don't know but i'm actually i'm growing uh in belief that i would like to have reese hodge at 15 I... just because i i have confidence in his defense i have confidence in his decision making and I love that he has the biggest boot on the field. I, I, I like him for certain reasons, um, as, as the same reasons you've just said. I, I don't think he offers the attack that we would also like and, and we're probably used to from a, from a fullback. Um, it depends on how you're playing your footy. But, we're, I mean, we're picking a nine that we think can kick better. You know, we're picking a 10 and 12 we think can kick well. Those boots are great, but if we if we lose a bit of attack on you know each of those individual positions just so we can kick it more, maybe that's another bit of a reason why we're not converting into points. Yeah, look, I, I think um, 
if Bowden Barrett playing at 15 was the answer for the All Blacks, maybe having a player like Hodge at 15 for the Wallabies would be a good idea. But we've said time and time again that we don't think that's the way to play. I think you need a, a player at fullback that is electric, that makes good decisions, that's awesome under the high ball, but that can create something out of nothing. And yeah. I, that's not Hodge. That's not his role. Yeah. I think he's probably, I still think, best suited in the centres at 12 or 13. 12. And they just need to put him in one of those jerseys and just say, mm-hmm. okay, mate, that's your jersey. See you later. You either make the Wallabies or you don't. Um, or you're a 23. Or you're a 23, yeah, which is probably his ideal role. Um, I don't think we have a ready-made 15 at international footy right now. I don't, I don't know who it's going to be. I'm most excited about the potential of Maddox. Mm-hmm. I think James Rand's another young guy that could potentially convert into a fullback. He's got a good boot, makes good decisions, safe under the high ball, obviously playing at wing for the Waratahs right now. But um, I, I don't think we have a, a short-term answer just plug a hole and try and give a few guys some experience. Banks is not the answer for me. Good I, discussions. I yeah, very good. I think I think Banks Banks did better than I thought he would actually mm. in the nations, but but still not. You know, he didn't. As you guys said, didn't have the opportunities. All right, next position. Let's just talk. Like we've got the last two: Hooker and Lock. Um, it's Harry, Harry's point. Go, Harry. Harry, those those are your points. You can choose one. Uh, Hooker. Yeah, of course you'd choose that, mate. Everyone knows that uh, you're a married man, mate. One of our locks home. So hooker, come on. How the hell? What do the Wallabies do about the hooker? Because let's be honest, BPA has been okay, but can still go completely this... missing. And I don't think you see enough of him around the park when you're comparing him to the good international uh, hookers around. Tolulatu would be nice to have back, but he's can I can I throw out a name? He, he's just signed for uh, the Force. His name's Julian, Julian Montoya. Is is he? He's playing for the Force. He's is he available? Good Anglo-Australian man, doesn't he? Mm, mm. Uh, look, we'd take him. Uh, we'd definitely take him. That's I could say that much. But um, I suspect he may not be available. Mm. But uh, no, I think you're right. Look, I mean, okay. Frankly, the options are the options are the same as they've been. It's Falafa Inga, it's Brendan Pyinga Ramosa, and Ulysses. The prince that was promised. What? What what's our thought on Ulysses? Like uh, I think, especially in the first say three four games, he came on in a very small amount of time and made as much impact as the starter. Yeah, in my very Phil Kearns type approach, uh, he hits the hardest, so I enjoy him the most. Um, but look, also he makes steals. You know what I mean? Like we haven't. Had, he gets over the ball and he makes he properly makes steals. Uh, what's what's our issue with Ulysses? Why is he not getting regular starts? It's that he's made of glass. I'm fairly sure. Um, Who cares if he's made of glass? He's not going to play for you. So get him to play for you and not get injured. If he gets injured, guess what? He still doesn't play for you. Right now, he's not playing for you. What are you getting out of him? That's true. The answer is in two years' time. Tom Horton. Tom Horton. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> it could uh, well be. But, I mean, and, and we've got Dave Parecki coming in who... Oh, mate, come on. You're going... Yeah, like, he's clutching his straws now, mate. No, no. no, no, no Parecki's the, the, the tar. I hear, he's come back across. I heard there's a really good 16-year-old hooker coming through so, the ranks right now. We yeah. Can, it, you know Dave it, In what? From su- su- southern... Uh, you know, <laughs> the suburbs right? rugby. We're just, just putting on our... We've taken our green and gold glasses off. We're putting back the sky blue Waratah glasses on now. Craig, so when Harry said talking about really young players... Do you think 28 for a hook is very young, David Parecki? No, man, that guy's gone. His career's over. Excellent. Very good. Now, Nelson, you're going to tell us which lock is coming back for the Waratahs. Um, who, who's, who, which locks have signed for the Waratahs, Nelson? I'm not saying anything. I have 
had a oh, I thought it was their Sam, Sam Caird from over from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah these guys, they're, they're huge. No, um, I believe that uh, Rob Simmons agreed to a four-year <laughs> extension. And Hannigan's coming back. Well, my favourite comment was... Uh, Dean Mum? <laughs> who were they talking about um, that was... Try, I can't remember. Someone, someone in, in our chat was talking about the... Uh, the only plane they want to see is Rob Simmons on a plane, you know, overseas, over the London or whatever. And, you know, I thought, no, the only, I want to see him on a plane, but to the Bermuda Triangle, that's where I want to see him uh, disappear into. But um, anyway, let's move on uh, to the, the All Blacks. Um, All Blacks, what did, we, what did we learn? So we've talked last week uh, and the week before with Paul Tate, we talked about their number six as well has been an issue for them. Have we just unanimously decided that Akira Iwani is the answer and we're all good with that? Check, move on. No, no, we're not. <laughs> we're um, we're currently deliberating to make sure that we get this guy. Yeah, Squire, Liam Squire. Liam Squire has signed two year contract with the Highlanders. He's back and he wants to be an All Black again. He said it. I think he's twenty eight or twenty nine. You, you know what? I actually think Akira Yuan is still the answer. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Let's be honest. We we all really like him. We all like Akira. He just. He's Some more than others, but... he had one part missing, and that seemed to be the mental, like complete all-round player. You know, mm. to, if something negative was happening, happening to be able to pull himself out of it, and you know, he'd come out and say he wanted to do something, and he never really fulfilled it. I think in his small amount of opportunities he has this season, he seemed to do that. One of my favourite little moments of Akira was against the Pumas in the last game, uh, Kremer. Uh, got up and absolutely just like pushed over Aaron Smith, you know, when a scrum was coming up, just for no reason, just like, you know, just get in his face, pushed him over, and Aaron Smith's there taking exception. And Akira Iwani, who's packing up and gets straight against uh, Kramer, just, just slowly walks forward right into his face. It's like, Akira Iwani literally thinks that he is the, you know, God incarnate, and there is no one on this planet that he will not destroy and flatten. And I love that about him. It was, it was so good. I, I would love to see that. I was like, can we just remove all the other players from the field, bring down the octagon, Krema and Akira Yuani, please. That would be good. I don't understand that Krema has the best body ever <laughs> of blindside flankers. And that is Akira Yuani included. I agree. Fair enough. All right. So look, there's that. But yeah, I agree. Liam Squire, is, he's that guy we haven't talked about for a while. He's kind of been missing, uh, not been playing. But um, I think if he had been still playing around, he'd probably be the number six and um, would be, you know, he feels perfectly that type of role that they've wanted, I think. But, um, but anyway, I moving mean, on. To me, that's their two hmm. options. I, I don't know. Big Source is the other one that could potentially come through in the next house. Big Red. I'm a big fan of Big Sauce. Mm. You want to go through who Big Sauce is, Harry, for the people who don't pay as much attention to Tom that? Robinson, Auckland, and the Blues. Four weeks into this season, mate, everyone knows who Big Sauce Tommy Robertson is. Yeah. Very good. All right. Uh, next question. Um, best centre pairing for the All Blacks? Why are you just running off questions? This is not how we're doing it. Harry, now, what is your point you would like to discuss? No, no, this is his one. He gets this one. You're already done with the answer, mate. That's how I'm doing it. I'm throwing out questions. You need to answer them. All right, hold on. I'm going to skip that one because I think the other questions are better. <laughs> oh, no answers for that question. No, okay. no answer, no answer. No, we're doing so, one question each, mate. My, my no comment. Question, I'd like to play the fifth. Uh, my question is, arguably, hmm. my three most exciting players in world rugby that aren't even in an international squad. The top three players in world rugby, according to Harry Dale. David Havili, Luke Jacobson, and Lachlan Beauchere. Number one, Lachlan Beauchere is clearly the best seven in the country at the moment. 
Number two, Luke Jacobson is clearly equally the best seven slash six in the country at the moment. And number three, David Havili is the best 10, 12, 13 and 15 in the country at the moment. Like what are the All Blacks doing and how many can we sign? How old are they going to be? If we bring them all over now, pay them whatever they want. How many years until they're eligible? Is it three or five years now? Yeah, their um, All Blacks caps might be against that. Though. <laughs> yeah, no, they've think just that... got to wait three years and then play sevens for Australia. I don't know if that's right. I'm not sure it works that way, but um, I kind of also feel like they might be holding out for that All Blacks cap. That, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, right. no, that, that is huge. I mean, David Havili particularly, like, you know, he was one of the, obviously got injured, but one of the best players in Super Rugby this year in, in New Zealand, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, he, he I would, could be the best 23 in existence. I would take him hands down over Bowden Barrett 15. He would, as, you said, 15. as you said, 10, 12, 13, 15, he would start in all those positions for the Wallabies, um, just straight off the bat. Yep. Yeah, he actually would. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and almost would for the All Blacks. Like, just throw the man on the field. He's better than Jack Goodhue at 12. I'll, I'll say it right there, straight away. No doubt. Better than Jack Goodhue and better than Bodie at 15. Yep. I think they offer different things, uh, Jack Goodhue and him at 12. But, um, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely we'll offers no, better skills. Yeah, compared to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Now, Luke Jackson, sorry, we did talk about how the options at six were Akira or Liam Squire. But no, Luke Jackson certainly, I think he's, he's more of a six than he is a seven. Yeah. Um, and he is that tall kind of mould. So he's certainly, I guess... He'd be, have to be up there as the favourite. He obviously was picked in the Rugby World Cup squad last year, couldn't go over because of concussion. So um, I'm sure they've got plans for him. And Lachlan Boshier just remains to be the point of difference, uh, the main point of difference between us on the pod. Um, those who are, believe, are Boshier believers, you'll probably be picking up his younger brother, Kalen Boshier, in next year's draft as well. Believers, we call ourselves. <laughs> yeah, very, very good. <laughs> um, this love, you're a sucker for a set of brothers, aren't you guys? But um, no, very good. Uh, and. and um, Luke Jacobson is 191 centimetres tall, so he's definitely tall enough to be a six without being really tall. Not imposing, but... He hasn't got the crema body, but geez, he's got <laughs> unbelievable skill. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think you will see Boshia back... I mean, Jacobson back <laughs> in the All Blacks squad next year. And if you don't see these other two I guys... Don't I don't oh, know. I reckon got, he's young. He's scored 23? Yeah, but they just have so much competition. It's one, and once you're in, if Akira's playing well and Liam Squire's playing well, and if they're going to continue with Frizzle, like... They won't continue with Frizzle. Frizzle's done. I agree. He is a... But this... Jacobson is better in every, you know, every sort of category when you're talking as an international player. Frizzle just can't do it on an international stage. He hasn't, and I don't think he will. And look, Sam Kane's 28, so he's probably playing through the next World Cup almost, you'd have to think, unless... Um... I mean, you'd think so. Yeah. He's definitely meant to be. Right? <laughs> All Very right. good. All right. Uh... No, Craig, you're out. Um, so <laughs> the sure. next point we're going to discuss is who are the starting wingers for the Rugby World Cup for the All Blacks? All right, whatever we say will be wrong, basically. Yes. Um, but I'm, I mean, I would... three years. Pick, they're... Some, they're, pick someone that hasn't made a test yet. Yeah. Right? They only they, play your they can't be playing now. I'm going to pick him. They're going to be. I'm. I'm just still going to stick with Caleb Clark and Will Jordan. That's what Is I'm going to do. Oh, Will Jordan. Yeah, Caleb Clark, Will Jordan. That's what I'm going to say. I thought uh, you were going to say Jordan Barrett. It's not going to be him. It's not going to be Jordan Barrett. I'm putting it out there right now. He will not be a winger starting for the World Cup. Jordy Barrett will probably be starting at 15. I would. I think. But where's Moana in that picture for you? 
on the bench, as we've discussed. Bowden Barrett starting at 10. There you go. He doesn't cover the positions, mate. I don't know. You just put up Ely there and he covers everything. <laughs> you put up Ely 23, mate. But um, no, that's, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of, uh, and this is, again, is uh, with spoilers for the dessert, but there's a lot of exciting players coming through as there is <clears> always in New Zealand. I mean, you know, it was Sevilla was there, suddenly got usurped. Uh, Rico Yuani was there. I thought there's no chance he wasn't playing for the next 10 years as the starting winger. Caleb Clark's now there. I mean, I don't know who's next, you know? I can, I can tell you one, I'm pretty confident, will be George Bridge. Because he's the, uh, he's that like class. Now, nah. there's always one winger who's just made, and everything. Are you trying to say that Will Jordan isn't like class? Will Jordan, mate. The better one. The much, much better in every George, aspect. Nah, George Bridge is just, there's a level of class. George Bridge has come and gone, mate. He's done. No more time he's for him. Sarcastic. He, I'm not being sarcastic. He's injured, mate. That's the only reason he's not yeah, playing. He was also average this year before he, he got was, injured. He wasn't average. The other one, and clearly you just need to pick the next big thing, and I stress the word big, it's going to be... <laughs> AJ Lamb. Salisi Rayasi. <laughs> no, I was going to say AJ Lamb. I knew you were going to say Rayasi, yeah. Yeah, that's the next, next one. No, are we talking about the All Blacks or are we talking about my fantasy team here? You're talking about Ray Arce, AJ Lamb, younger brother Ben Lamb. Uh, serious, serious answer, serious answer. No, I've said Caleb Clark and Will Jordan. I think those I think will be the starting wingers. I think it's the exact same. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be Caleb Clark. I, I could see Clark. I think Caleb Clark is going to just get Clark not there, but I, I hope that we see him build and get nurtured rather than thrust in and thrown out. George Bridge and Will Jordan are probably my two. X Factor and Class. But they don't normally go for both of that. doesn't matter. All right. Someone remember to clip this so that we can laugh at Harry in three years' time. Um, very good. All right. Well, that might round us out with the All Blacks. I think the rest of the squad's fairly, you know, we've talk, talked enough about it and they kind of pick themselves at the moment. Um, the Pumas. Uh, what did we learn about the Pumas? Um, one of their biggest problems. So they, they became more comfortable, as I said, comfortable without the ball, which is a huge transition for them. So, you know, they kind of, they always looked a little panicked before. They just have this new kind of set of composure about them. But um, how do they score points? That's that's the question. How do uh, they the score kick. points? It's off the kick. That's how they score points. It has to be on a tee and people not running at them to disrupt them. And then they'll <laughs> kick it over. They just need... A better, a better backline. No, they, they need, I think, okay, my next question that I had ties so closely into this for me. Yeah. It's 10, 12, 13 axis. That's the problem. Sanchez kicks goals and dives on the floor. <laughs> that's all he does. So I think clearly Sanchez is now 32 years old. Miotti is going to be the 10 at the next World Cup. Um, so I, I think Miotti has a little bit more go about him, to be honest with you, not heaps more. He's, he's a similar mould. But, but he will be playing at the force and getting made worse oh, in his time there. So yeah. they have matter. So <laughs> ooh, ooh, what's, who was the other guy? Upiida or something like that? Oh, playing yeah. the world. Anyway, nice. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to get out. I don't want to, we can't get down another rabbit hole. This is meant to be a short podcast. Uh, Miotti at 10. Uh, Chocobares, I think, could potentially uh, offer a bit more. He's great. Uh, um, Magia as well, I think, is an exciting 13. I think they just need something 
with a bit of strike power. I think Chocobares is their big body from memory. And uh, and then Magia has got a little bit of, uh, of flair and step and agility. Yeah. Well, at least playing out with a young 10 that can take the ball to the line, I feel like that's your best opportunity. And Hiro, uh, Geronimo de la Fuente and Matias Orlando, they're just, they're just Orlando, boring. I will say, I, I t- yeah, they are, they are a little one-dimensional and boring. I will say I did love that Hero came out. He put a massive shot on someone. I, I um, don't mind Hero. They're good players. Yeah. yeah. If your whole, like, it's quite clear that their outside backs are, are super exciting, except Caleras, who's not up to test level. But uh, 10, 12, 13, mate, they just don't know how to attack. Yeah, I think, I think straight out, Ch- Chocobades is amazing, and he won't be long before he's there starting 12. And I agree, Cru- Cruz Magia, he is... He's, he's kind of the Havili of Argentina. It just hasn't had the chance to realise it. And what I mean by that, I know, just be careful. What I mean by that is that he, he plays 10, 12, 13, 15. He plays all those positions. He has all those skill sets. There's Reese Hodge. Okay, fine. We'll give it a read. No, Hodge plays wing as well. Cruz Magia can't play wing. He's not as good as Hodge. That's why I went to the Havili mold, okay? Uh, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Please. Yeah, but no, anyway, I, I, I would be excited to see more of him at 13. I agree. I think... The, the, those two, the older heads, 12, 13, they're just a defensive rock wall. They make great decisions, but um, unless they're, you know, they're just basically truck trucking it up and they're not really creating that much. So they're leaving it very much. It's it's rested on Sanchez's shoulders. So they need that help. And I think Chocobates really help, will bring that. So. As, as far as we can see, defense does not normally win you matches. It can get you a draw and you need to be good at defending. But if that's the only thing you can do, you're just going to get a draw. And, I mean, if you're resting things on Sanchez's shoulders, we all know that he's a snake and snakes don't have shoulders. So <laughs> what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, this is becoming a... Uh, uh, look, I'm just unhappy. I'm, I'm happy to trash Sanchez, but just not, not more than we should be trashing Ted Flanagan. You know what I mean? He needs to be the most trashed. Right, so, third, third point, cohesion. So, how much is this cohesion going to disrupt them? The lack of cohesion, seeing as now there is no Hagiarres. Oh, well. um, and they've got the Los Cibos uh, playing in the is it South American? The Super Liga Americana. I haven't wrote it down for you. So yeah, the South American competition. Yeah. So they're, they're going to have a few of their players there. A lot of players have gone. The Jaguars are going to be in that competition as well, for the record. That's the rumor, I believe. But I think that's that's pretty well founded. Yep. Mm. Um, but they also have quite a few players, you know, moving to the other Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere teams. Mm. Yep. If you look at the Western Force, half their starting side almost is going to be, you know, play ex Haguares players. Yeah, I, I think it's going to remind me a lot of the Pacific Islands countries where yep. most of their best players play offshore and then they have their couple of development clubs uh, like BG are trying to build at the moment as well. Um, which we try to, which they, they're talking about, you know, you need to move on from. But yeah, it, and that's right. Like if, you, if your development players are playing in the Americas, that's, that's not a high enough level to really bridge that gap to then go and play for Argentina. So I can see within a few years a bit of a, a, a gap a in the, uh, the quality of players from those that are playing overseas in top flight footy and the yeah. ones that are coming through that aren't quite there yet. Well, that's been that change, hasn't it? So as you said, Nels, look, they've had a few years of the Haguares and that's done wonders for their cohesion um, and just their fluency. But uh, 
yeah, with with having players take off everywhere, that's as a, a result of the realities of 2020, but also, you know, they, they changed the rule to allow selection from uh, uh, overseas. I, I think that rule changed off the back of, of all this sort of happening. But to, to be fair, I think some people are going to argue and say, look, they, they brought in some players from overseas and look how good it's done for them in the short term. And that's it. It's a short-term solution. You know, you bring in a couple of players that have been playing over the Northern Hemisphere that haven't been playing for the Hags and sure they can they can plug those holes but in the long term i think that's going to be something that's going to be a negative for your side you need these players playing week in week out and how better to do it than if you have basically one team you pick from you know where every single player is at you know exactly their development you know what's what's you know how good they're passing their everything is right through and you can work on those little minor things right through the year all of a sudden they lose any control over that. And there are clubs overseas, you know, in the French comp and the English comp and things that these players might be playing for who, let's be honest, they're not going to get as good coaching. They're not Mm going to get, you know, as good fitness and and focus. They're going to want them to do what they need to do for their club, not necessarily what they're going to need to do for international footy. So I think it will be a downfall for them. I don't know if we'll notice it year one, but it's just those, as Harry said, those next generation of players, that next tier of players coming through, that's where we're really going to start to see it, I, I feel. Yep, and rounding it out, look, we talked about the backs. Um, they have loads of outside backs. Uh, the forwards, they pretty much pick themselves. Uh, the only players I guess we'd want to see come back here, look, their back row can be one of the best in the world. Issa, Kremer, and Matera. Uh, I, the only thing I'd want to see is Lavanini come back in in the locks for them. Lavanini and Petty would be unbelievable, I think. Lavanini is a bum. No, nope, he is he amazing. Every second day, doesn't he? He is the hardest player in international rugby. Are you serious? But he is amazing. If he doesn't get cards, he's amazing. It's like a roll of the dice. I've been punked. Is this whole podcast a punk? Now, what does no. this bring us on to, Craig? But because this is a very short podcast, let's move on to a very short deserto. Deserto. Points uh, to look forward to for next year. So in wrapping up, um, Super Rugby Aotearoa, um, look, we're not going to go through all the squad lists, but they've been announced and we've kind of touched on it a little bit. It's exciting. There's like every year, there's new talent, new players that have emerged from the Mitre 10 competition. But what I'm really excited to see is they've kind of, uh, last year you felt like some of the teams, the talent was a little more centralised. So there were, it felt like it was first time in years there was a few teams that were lacking a little bit, particularly, I don't know, I'd say the Highlanders, the Hurricanes, just felt like weaker sides than they had been in the past uh, compared to the other three. And it looks like they've kind of spread the players around a little bit more. So I think it'll be a much closer and more competitive uh, competition next year. And um, yeah, look, I, I, there's some exciting names there. I feel like this is you purely looking at the Highlanders team and going, how good does that team look? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even even the Hurricanes. Um, no, there's the just Hurricanes like ringing. I forget off the top of my head, but uh, <laughs> no, but it's just like I guess no there's, been, there's positions that have been filled. The, Simon like, Higgy. The specific uh, positions that teams were lacking in have been filled. Well, no, I mean, the Hur- Hurricanes. Hur- put it out there, Hurricanes won't be that good. They're losing TJ Perinara. Sure, they got Jamie Booth. They brought in Simon Hickey. Yeah, he's definitely their answer at 10. Yeah, but they're just um, going to play Geordie Barrett at, t- at 10. That's what they're going to do. They're just going to move him into 10. Playing Garden Basher, mate. Yeah. We said <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't go into this. True. 
All you've, right, been, you've been absolutely w- <coughs> wooed by the Highlanders' recruitment strategy. It's it, the Highlanders, mate. <coughs> Very good. Well, with that, we'll move on. Nelson has touched on it many times, but um, Super Rugby AU 2021 winners, the Western Haguares. Um, look, they've got, we said now, confirmed five, or, five already test players signed. And um, look, they're all starting. You know, it's going to be Montoya, Medrano in the front row. Kubeji and uh, Jokes got him, uh, and uh, Miotti probably. I mean, Lazana, was it Lazana as well. Look, nice. I mean, Pryor's the captain at nine, and John Lance has been there at ten. But you wouldn't be surprised if you see see them um, hit the bench. Well, I, I'm I for one am disappointed about that. I, I'm absolutely okay with you know some Argentinian players, Argentine players coming across and filling into Super Rugby teams. That is far too many, especially when you have players from other countries being brought in. I mean, if you want to be one of five Australian Super Rugby teams, I love the force. And I'm okay with them not doing as well as, you know, as you'd expect for the next two, three years. You give them a bit of leeway and a build, maybe bring some players home. But what I'm not okay with is just filling your team with people from overseas. As far as I'm concerned, as Harry's touched on before the pod, you're a barbarian side. You're not an Aussie rugby side. You've lost me. Look, I, I can uh, certainly confirm that because in um, earlier in the pod, when I said I went back through your tweets and I was watching you nervously wait what I came up with, there was a hell of a lot of... Uh, Horned Army tweets, but also uh, Force Love tweets. Um, I love the Force. I know, just so I can just awesome. say. Mm. Like, I'm a humongous fan of the Force, and this is not the Force. This is a team trying to buy a comp that they're not going to win. They're going to be disappointed. These players are going to be less good for their countries. They're going to go away. We're not going to, you know, we're going to stifle the growth of players coming through. I think it's a bad thing. On the whole, perhaps, but look, it's going to be it's going to make Super Rugby AU more competitive, and by that I mean surely the force notch up a win, maybe, uh, maybe for a year. But you you've got to say these players need to learn to play together. And you know Ben Darwin, we interviewed him a few weeks ago. Highly recommend that podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> great pod, not because of us. What uh, episode number is it, Harry? He mentioned that for every player you bring in, you completely turn off two or three of the developing young players because they don't see a future there because the, the older guys have just been brought back. So, I mean, they're trying to develop their, their juniors. Surely this is just setting that whole program back a long time. I get it. They didn't think that those players were ready for next year, but they're just cutting themselves at the knees. Yeah, bring back a few, maybe bring back a few Australian experienced players who have already been in the force because there's a lot of those yeah, that's right. who have been lost overseas. I mean, your Curtis Roners, your Bill Meeks. Adam you, Coleman. Yeah, yeah, your Adam Coleman's. You have a lot of players. David Perkoff. <laughs> <laughs> please, please bring him back. But no, I, I seriously find that this is, this is a big issue moving forward for them. If you, if you want to be in this long term, you can't try to buy it once off. That's what they did the first time they came into existence and they brought a lot of players across for them and they did very poorly. And then they realized that didn't work and they started to build a side. And just before we kicked them out, that's when they got to a point where I think they were a very good super rugby side full of Aussies and a very, no, they were very good compared to as an Australian super rugby side. They're against the other Aussie sides. They were better than the Tars when they left. It's because it's they were just starting to see the fruits of their labour, of the, the grassroots program. They were starting to see Western Force developed players actually come through up to the Super Rugby level. And, yeah, that was the, the toughest thing about cutting them. But um, had to happen. All right, well, look, what else have we got? I guess we have touched on it before, I think, at the end of a few pods. But 
What's very exciting as well is the the lineup of the dates for both Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa next year. They're not the nineteenth and the twenty sixth of Feb is when they're kicking off, so one week apart. And this means, um, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but we have a nine week uh, fantasy competition that lines up uh, with both competitions running. Uh, in parallel, which is great. It means we can run this similar fantasy rugby format to what we did this year with 10 teams. Um, and that, that's fantastic. I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah, we, look, I, I think it worked very well this year. It's going to work better next year um, with the way it lines up. So I'm very excited for it. Along the season. Is, is there any... I guess, should we ask our listeners, that's all right, is there any suggestions in terms of um, anything we should change? I mean, I think we worked it out with uh, every, every manager of our eight managers in our league get uh, 15 starting players and one reserve forward and one reserve back. Uh, is there any, uh, anything else we can think of to rejig it? Or we, I don't know, I guess we will have to... For me, that's the obvious way to go unless you split into two pools of four, which I, I don't like the idea of. It's a conferences, yeah. Yeah, we're, and obviously each of those pools would have uh, individual player pools to pick from. Mm. I don't like that, like I said. But if we hang out for 2022, looking forward to the future, if there is a couple of new sides in competition, then all of a sudden you can pick four or five bench players and you know we start to get back to the original draft rugby fantasy footy platform that we had with a little bit more leeway for those substitutes. But, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about you. I really, really enjoyed playing with the two subs as well. I don't think it made a big difference to the product. A lot, lot more strategy. I think it, yeah, I think it made a difference, but I think it made a strategic difference. As you said, I think you had to know, you had to be better at trading. You had to be better at looking towards the future. And, and you know, you could hold on to your valuable player or two, but yeah, you couldn't just hold a whole squad. Yep. You had a plan. Agreed. Look, very exciting. It's been a big year from us here at, at Draft Rugby, at the Draft Rugby show. Uh, I think this is going to conclude us for a final year. We're going to take some much needed rest over the next uh, couple of months before um, ramping up again in, in January. We'll be busier than ever Research. to get ready. That's yeah, it. Right. So, especially me. That's true. I do need to bounce back from the losing the grand final. So from second place, it was tough. But um, First last. Very good. Anyway, we'll catch you again in uh, the next year. New year. All right.